0: Well, friends, after that song, I need no more introduction to a sermon. You have just said, speak, O Lord. So would you open Scripture to the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 9. I will be reading from verse 13 to chapter 10, verse 20. If you did not bring a Bible uh, with you this morning, you may find a Bible provided in the chair in front of you. Um, Or if you do not own uh, an ESV Bible, you are welcome to grab one of our pew Bibles and actually Take it home with you. We'd love for you to have it. Uh, we are reading today from our pew Bibles on page number 558. And as you turn there, and if you're visiting our, our church, if this is your first time with us this morning, I want to let you know that we are currently going through a sermon series um, through the book of Ecclesiastes. It's been a great joy to hear how the Lord is teaching us um, about the meaning of life uh, through a study of the book of Ecclesiastes. This morning, we're looking at chapter 9, starting with verse 13 to chapter 10, verse 20. Here's the word of the Lord for us I have also seen this example of wisdom under the sun, and it seemed great to me. There was a little city with a few men in it, and a great king came against it and besieged it, building great siege works against it. But there was found in it a poor, wise man, and he, by his wisdom, delivered the city, yet no one remembered that poor man. But I say that wisdom is better than might, though the poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are not heard. The words of the wise heard in quiet are better than the shouting of a ruler among fools. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. Death flies make the perfumer's ointment give off a stench, so a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. A wise man's heart inclines him to the right, but a fool's heart to the left. Even when the fool walks on the road, he lacks sense, and he says to everyone that he is a fool. If the anger of the ruler rises against you, do not leave your place. For calmness will lay great offenses to rest. There is an evil that I have seen under the sun. As it were, an error proceeding from the ruler. Folly is set in many high places, and the rich sit in a low place. I've seen slaves on horses and princes walking on the ground like slaves. He who digs a pit will fall into it, and a serpent will bite him who breaks through a wall. He who quarries stones is hurt by them, and he who splits logs is in danger by them. If the iron is blunt and the one does not sharpen the edge, he must use more strength, but wisdom helps one to succeed. If the serpent bites before it's char- it is charmed, there is no advantage to the charmer. The words of a wise man's mouth win him favor, but the lips of a fool consume him. The beginning of the words of his mouth is foolishness and the end of his talk is evil madness. A fool multiplies words though no man knows what it is to be what is to be. And who can tell him what will be after him? The toil of a fool wearies him for he does not know the way to the city. Woe to you, O land, when your king is a child and your princes feast in the morning. Happy are you, O land, when your king is the son of the nobility, and your princes feast at the proper time, for strength and not for drunkenness. Through sloth the roof sinks in, and through indolence the house leaks. Bread is made for laughter and wine gladdens life, and money answers everything. Even in your thoughts do not curse the king, nor in your bedroom curse the rich, for a bird of the air will carry your voice, or some winged creature tell the matter. Amen. Well, this is the word of the Lord for us this morning. Would you pray with me, asking the Lord to bless the hearing and the preaching of God's word? Father, we praise you for being a God who is watching over your word to perform it. We ask that even today, even here, you would perform your will through your word in our hearts. Cleanse us of any hardening of the heart that might cause us to reject your word and to rebel against you. Help us to listen with humility, with an attentiveness that comes from hearts ready to follow you. Speak with, with, to us, we pray. In the name of Jesus, we ask. Amen. Well, throughout the book of Ecclesiastes, we've seen occasionally in the various places uh, the picture of, of the fool. We've heard it in the book of Proverbs, woman wisdom and woman folly. Why is it that it's portrayed in Proverbs as, as, as a woman? The answer is, Jeff, because Proverbs is written to a son. Listen, my son, the instructions. But anyway, here in the book of Ecclesiastes, we see this theme of, of wisdom and folly continue, just like in the book of Proverbs. At this point in the book of Ecclesiastes, we, have, we, we see a, a comparison, a contrast of the profiles of, of wisdom and, and folly. But up to this point in in Ecclesiastes, folly has been described in in a number of ways. I just want to summarize to you how Ecclesiastes has spoken about folly up to this point. Folly is the the man who's following the the path of folly is described as loving the rowdy songs and the noisy, shallow laughter. He's lazy, talking too much, holding on to anger, unreceptive to advice, Morally blind and disapproved by God. He may be found in any section of society. The book of Ecclesiastes revealed to us that the, that the fool is, may be found even in the temple, as chapter 5 reminded us. Or he might be found even on a throne, as our own text reminded us. The fool is clever, deceitful, yet supremely confident. And he dismisses punishment and any attempts to discipline him. In our text today, the preacher of Ecclesiastes challenges us to pursue not folly, even though there's so much of it around us, but to pursue wisdom. And this challenge is for all of us. It doesn't matter if you are a Christian or a non-Christian. If you claim to be religious or or new to to, religion, To pursuing the things of God. In the book of of Jeremiah in the old testament, God said about his very people here's what he said in chapter four of Jeremiah. God said, For my people are foolish. Wow. They know me not. They are stupid children. They have no understanding. They are, quote, wise in doing evil. But how to do good, they know not. So this call to wisdom, first and foremost, we have to realize that it is for all of us. None of us is beyond the danger of choosing the ways of folly, even if we've been Christians for many years and all of us need the encouragement to keep on pursuing wisdom especially the wisdom that comes from god especially the wisdom that is related and connected to the knowledge of god in ecclesiastes this wisdom begins with realizing that there is a god to whom we are accountable that's that's the beginning of wisdom and then we must fear him we must revere Him. We must stand in awe of Him. We must relate to Him appropriately. He is the God who governs this world. He is the God who governs life under the sun. We should look at this life not simply as that which we can see under the sun, but realizing that there is something beyond it. So relating well to our Creator is the beginning of this wisdom. Such wisdom enables us to live life in a way that pleases him. So as we look at this challenge, this pursuit of wisdom, this call to pursue wisdom in a world of folly, there's four points that I'd like for us to look at um, that we see about this challenge to pursue wisdom. Friends, no matter who you are, we all of us, each of us, need this challenge, need this reminder to pursue wisdom. Remember, it's the wisdom of God. It's the wisdom that's connected to the knowledge of God. So four things, if you like taking notes, four things about this wisdom, this call to wisdom. The first one is pursue wisdom even when it's not appreciated. Pursue wisdom even when it's not appreciated. Where do we see that? Look at chapter 9, verse 13 to 16. In these verses, a preacher gives the example of a little city uh, that was under siege and uh, was about to be destroyed There was no hope for the city. It was small. There's very few people left in it. No material or military power. And yet there was a poor man, old man, who was wise. And through his wisdom, we don't know how, but through the wisdom that, that he had, that God gave him, he was able to save the city. Look at verse, I have seen this example of wisdom under the sun, and it seemed great to me. There was a little city with a few men in it. A great king came against it and besieged it, building great siege works against it. But there was found in it a poor wise man, and he, he by his wisdom delivered the city. All seems great in this example, until you read the next line. Yet no one remembered that poor man. How sad! Wisdom is often forgotten. In verse 16, the preacher tells us more about what happened to the poor man. He says in verse 16, But I say that wisdom is better than might, though the poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are not heard. For those of us who are seeking a life of wisdom, a pursuit of wisdom, this verse teaches us a great lesson. Even when wisdom is not appreciated, even when others despise it, or are not willing to hear it, even then, wisdom is better. Pursue it. It is better than might. Now, think about this contrast. Wisdom versus might and power. Might and power, you can see. You can see when someone has military strength and military power, there's weapons of war. There's, there's money, the power that money can bring, right? That they, You can see that. but Wisdom, oftentimes, is not visibly seen. It's not tangible. And, yet, and therefore, because of that, it often goes unappreciated. And yet here, the, the, the preacher of Ecclesiastes says, Wisdom is better than might. In verse 19, it says it's, it's better than, than the weapons of war. Men, let me, let me break this down, especially men in Texas. It's as if he said, wisdom is better than guns. Get that? Do I hear an amen? But here's the bottom line. Do we believe this? Do we believe that wisdom is better than might? Better than power? If you had to choose between wisdom and might, which one would you choose for your life? Friends, ask yourself, if you cherish wisdom and if you have a heart that is intentionally seeking wisdom, are you seeking it more than power or might? In verse 17, the preacher contrasts the quietness of wisdom with the loudness of the ruler among the fools. Look at verse 17. The words of the wise heard in quiet are better than the shouting of a ruler among fools. Often foolishness is more noisy. It attracts more attention. It seems more exciting. Versus wisdom that is often quiet. Without much publicity. How do you determine what is better? Do you simply look at what is louder, what gets more attention, what has a bigger crowd, what has a bigger impact in society. Here the preacher gives us a caution not to, be, not to be naive and superficial in our assessment of what is better. Wisdom is better even when heard in quietness rather than loud words in the company of a folly. Oh friends, think about your own ways and your own logic, your own frame of thinking, Uh, how often do you tend to judge something by the size of how many people follow it? Or by the level of outward excitement? Or by its impact or strength? Oh, friends, Don't pursue wisdom for getting the applause of the people. Often, the way of wisdom will not have many cheerleaders or much appreciation. The way of wisdom has few travelers on that path. So pursue wisdom, even when it's not appreciated. Actually realize and expect that it may not be appreciated. Second point about wisdom. Pursue wisdom diligently and exclusively. Pursue wisdom diligently and exclusively. Look at chapter ten. Begins with an interesting picture about flies and perfume or ointment. Dead flies make the perfumer's ointment give off a stench. So a little folly, or so a little folly outweighs wisdom. honor. Now the point is, a little folly can spoil much wisdom. Friends, it is good for us to hear this. There are people who approach life with the following logic. They say, look at all the good things I'm doing. Look at how I'm doing so many things right. According to the book, A little folly, a little thing that is borderline or I know I shouldn't do this, but hey, it's not that bad. Look at all the good things. Look at all the good decisions I'm making. A little folly will not be that bad. Do you know people who think that way? Parents, do you have anyone in your household who thinks this way? Here the preacher confronts us with the foolish logic that says little is not as big of a deal. Look at all the weighty good stuff I am doing. And if you were to put the two in a, on a scale, yeah, the good outweighs the bad. Here the preacher of Ecclesiastes says exactly the opposite. It says, a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. Let that sink in. You don't need much folly to outweigh wisdom and honor. A little piece of it can spoil the whole batch. As someone said, it is easier to create stink than to create sweetness. Isn't that true? It takes far less to ruin something than to create it. Think of Esau in the book of Genesis. He sold his birthright because he was hungry one day. He had one moment when he was so hungry that he despised his birthright and gave away his birthright for a bowl of soup. One foolish decision affected all the rest of his life. Should we go back to the very beginning of the Bible? In the garden, Adam and Eve, spoiling their original innocence. One bite of a, for- a forbidden food. One bite One folly, spoiling the rest. Friends, the history of human race goes back to this principle that it doesn't take much to ruin the good. Just a little is enough. Friends, do you realize that, that sin works the same way? The book of James says that even if we obey most of the commands of God, but we fail to obey one, it is as if we have transgressed all the commandments of God. James 2, verse 10, says the following, For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become accountable for all of it. Do you realize that? A little folly spoils the whole thing. Oh, friends, how often I hear people making this the bad logic in their own thinking. They say, look, I, I'm listening to God 99% of my life. I can be excused to do something that's stupid. It'll be okay. Not according to the book of Ecclesiastes. Not according to the rest of the Bible. Not according to the book of James. Friends, realize that it only takes a little folly to spoil the whole wisdom. That's why when it comes to pursuing wisdom, we must pursue it diligently And we must pursue it exclusively. Don't make allowances for foolish decisions. Don't say, it's okay, just a little bit. Friend, I wonder, wonder, is there any area in your life right now where you are allowing space for small, foolish decisions? Think about it. Is there anything in your own personal life? Is there any, anything in your own marriage life? Is there something in, your, in the way you, you approach work, in the way you approach life in general? Is there, anything? Is there anything in the way you approach God? Some of us here this morning have an opportunity to repent in this service, right now, of little bits of foolish decisions. Or perhaps of, the, of, of repenting of the, or, or awakening from, the, from this bad logic. We might actually believe that a little folly will not outweigh wisdom and, and honor. And we must actually repent of that thinking. Of thinking that, 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 that that's not the case. And yet the Bible says it is the case. Can I speak to teenagers? Teenagers, you're here. As you're getting more and more of the pressure from the world around you, from friends at school or others who, who, who might encourage you to pursue different ideas that you know your, your mom and dad or you know God is, is not wanting you to do, one of, the, one of the tendencies that will come with those pressures is, is this. It's just a little thing. No one has to know. It's not a big deal. It is a big deal. And when you realize it will be a big deal, it will be too late. Do not believe the strategy of the kingdom of darkness that tells you just a little is okay. Don't believe the lie. Pursue wisdom diligently and exclusively. Oh, friends, I wonder... I wonder who among us needs to awaken from living that lie. Pursue wisdom diligently and exclusively. Number three, about this pursuit of wisdom, the third point the preacher of Ecclesiastes tells us is that pursuing wisdom begins in the heart. Pursuing wisdom begins in the heart. Look at verse 2 in chapter 10. A wise man's heart inclines him to the right, but a fool's heart to the left. The battle for choosing between wisdom and folly begins in the heart, according to this verse. I love what one one said about this. The nature of the heart produces the problems a preacher wrestles with in this passage. The nature of the heart produces the problems that the preacher of Ecclesiastes deals with. Folly is traced to a fault in the heart. Wise choices are traced to the wise man's heart. You can't make wise choices in a biblical sense if the heart has not been made wise. I wonder if we get that. Friends, I wonder if, for for those of, of us who are parenting, if we get that connection, as we're trying to teach our children to make wise choices. Realizing that behind the choices that we make, there is a heart. And not just teaching to make wise choices, but, but encouraging and teaching and, and shepherding our, our children to acquire a wise heart. While God put eternity in our hearts, as Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, the preacher also tells us in Ecclesiastes that the heart of the children of men is full of evil. We saw that last week. And now we see that the heart is a seat where the battle for wisdom or folly resides. Foolish decisions begin in a defective heart. But in God's grace, when God gives us wisdom, He does so by first affecting the heart. So that prior to us being able to make wise choices in a biblical sense, wise according to God's plans, Before we do that, we must be given new hearts and have new inclinations, inclinations towards wisdom, not towards folly. Friends, at this point, we realize that the power of the gospel, the message of the gospel is is the power of God to save fools, people who are driven and inclined to foolishness. People who are enslaved to foolishness. And all of us are that way, have been that way. In the gospel, we got the news of how God changes the human heart, transforming it from and taking out a, a heart of folly and replacing it with a heart of wisdom. How does that happen? Well, it happens by hearing and acknowledging and responding to the news of God's salvation. What is that news of God's salvation? Friend, if you do not know it, here, I want to summarize it for you. It is the news that God created, the heavens and the earth. And because of that, all creation belongs to Him and is accountable to God. God is perfect in His holiness and He created us to, to be like Him. But even though we were perfect at first, without any flaw, we have rebelled against God. We have acted against Him. And because of that, we have triggered the judgment of God, the righteous and perfect, just judgment of a holy God against rebellion. But God, in His mercy, would not allow His creation to be subdued to darkness forever. He provided a way. He provided a wise way so that through this way, And that way was Jesus, his only son, who lived a perfect life, came to to live a perfect sinless life, and yet died a, a death that we deserved, our rebellion deserved. So that through the death of Christ, rebellious and foolish sinners like us could actually be declared righteous and wise and justified in God's presence, not because of anything we have done by our own acts, but solely because of what Christ has done in our place on the cross. And so that all those who hear this news and repent of their sin, acknowledge it and turn away from it and turn around and turn to Christ and and trust in Christ for their salvation, could actually receive new hearts. That's why God said that Jesus is the wisdom of God. In Christ, we have received the wisdom of God. Oh, friends, if you, if you don't know this news of salvation that changes hearts, that transforms hearts radically, oh, I pray that you would, you would respond to that today by repenting of your sin and trusting in Christ, asking God to save you. Friends, you can do that even right now in the service as, as I'm talking to you. If you'd like to know more about that, I'd love to talk to you at the end of the service or just talk to any, any Christian The one next to you and ask more about what this means to to experience this change of hearts from a, a heart of folly to a heart of wisdom. Oh, friends, realize that the choices that we make in life are not simply about our choices. Realize that the choices we make in life are a reflection of our hearts. It's not just about you wanting to enjoy a bit of rebellion here and there. It's not simply about you doing a little bit of the things you're not supposed to do here and there. It's about what kind of inclinations your heart has. What kind of heart would lead you to willingly choose a path of foolishness for 30 minutes of your week? What kind of heart would give you that inclination? if you truly were convinced that the way of wisdom is the way to go? What kind of heart would tempt you and would lead you to say, yeah, but take some of this too. It's good for you. It's a good mixture. No, it's not. Friends, realize that your choices are not made in a vacuum. Your choices are a visible outflow of the the invisible nature of your heart. When you choose to neglect your spiritual life, by neglecting to, let's say, I'm going to pick a few examples, by neglecting to, to read Scripture in your own quiet times, or by intentionally keeping a distance from the body of Christ, from the gathering of the saints on a regular basis. These choices are a reflection of a defect in the heart, even though you may have been a Christian for many years. When men choose, or women choose, to neglect their spiritual, let me, let me say when men choose to neglect their spiritual leadership in the home, and when they, they, or they become passive spouses, or when become passive parents toward our children, that is a sign of, of a defect in the heart. When we put the pursuits of this life as more valuable than the pursuit of the kingdom of God, that is a defect in the heart. Friends, we encourage one another to make choices in life that follow the wisdom of God. We do so not because we like rules. We do so because the Word of God tells us that our choices are a reflection of our hearts. They reveal what we cannot see inside. So when we confront one another with bad choices in ourselves or in one another, we are doing hard searching work. Do you realize that? Pursuing wisdom begins with a heart. That was point three. Point four, and the last one i like to look at this morning, pursuing wisdom affects our daily activities. Pursuing wisdom affects our daily activities. The wisdom Ecclesiastes speaks of comes from God. Such wisdom affects not just our spiritual lives, but it also affects our practical lives, the actual life on earth. In this chapter, we'll see a few examples of life situations where wisdom manifests itself. Now, you might say in some situations, you could pursue this practical earthly wisdom even without the wisdom of God. Some people could possibly do some of that or might pursue that which looks similar. But here, the book of Ecclesiastes is, is bring, giving us a holistic view of wisdom. That wisdom then comes from God. But doesn't just stay as spiritual wisdom. It also affects our practical human existence wisdom. Here's here's a few areas where this wisdom affects our daily activities. This is not a comprehensive list. It's just a few examples. First one, in verse 4, wisdom responds with calmness in the face of anger. If the anger of the ruler rises against you, do not relieve your place, for calmness will lay great offenses to rest. The wisdom of God enables us to respond with calmness when anger faces us, when the anger of others faces us. Perhaps uh, uh, perhaps a, 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 a manager, a boss, someone who is over you responds with anger. Or perhaps someone, a friend or someone around you. The wisdom of God enables you to respond with calmness. This comes also, we see, in the book of James. James chapter 3. I'll read a few verses from the book of James chapter 3 about wisdom and, and, and foolishness. Who is wise and understanding among you, says James. By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly Unspiritual, demonic, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exists, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere, and the harvest of righteousness is sown in peace. By those who make peace. Friends, this is, the wisdom of God is very practical. and It's supposed to affect our, our day-to-day life, our relationships. Uh, here's the second way which we see this wisdom app pract- working out. Wisdom enables us to work efficiently. Look at verse 10. If the iron is blunt and one does not sharpen the edge, he must use more strength. But wisdom helps one to succeed. Yes, wisdom affects the way you work. The preacher gives us the example of a man who, who sharpens his tools so he can work more effectively. And we, see, we see this also in verse 15 where the preacher says, The toil of a fool wearies him, for he does not know the way to the city. Uh, this verse hints at the reality that folly makes our work weary. Did I say that right? Well... Or weary? Weary. I'm working on that. That's a weary thing for me. <laughs> Foolishness makes our work weary. Now, it's true. Under, under the curse of crea- under, under, under the fact that the creation is cursed by the fall, all work is going to be toilsome. All work is going to be toilsome. That's just part of, of being under a creation that is enslaved to bondage and in bondage to sin. And yet, there is an extra toiling that comes, an extra weariness that comes to the foolish person. He finds work so weary that he might actually say, I I don't need to do this. So that leads him to laziness. He doesn't get anything done. He can't even find his way back to the city, says the preacher of Ecclesiastes. Wisdom enables us to work efficiently. And wisdom also shows up in our speech. Verses 12 to 14. The words of a wise man's mouth win him favor, but the lips of a fool consume him. The beginning of the words of his mouth is foolishness, and the end of his talk is evil madness. A fool multiplies words, talks a lot without saying much. Though no man knows what is to be, and who can tell him what will be after him? Jesus said a similar thing about the truth, that wisdom shows up in our speech. Jesus in Matthew 12, For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. Friends, wisdom shows up in our talk. Pretty clear, pretty self-explanatory. Wisdom also shows up in relating to national leaders. Earlier in verse 16 through 18, the preacher gave several woes when a nation's leaders act unwisely, when they act immaturely or simply foolishly. In such situations, people might be tempted to curse their leaders. But in verse 20, we get an interesting command. Verse 20 says, Even in your thoughts, do not curse the king, nor in your bedroom curse the rich, for a bird of the air will carry your voice, or some winged creature tell the matter. I love what Michael Eaton said on this verse, Neither the king nor the leadership of a nation must give rise to foolish anger in the wise man's life. Neither the king nor the leadership of a nation must give rise to foolish anger in the wise man's life. This verse challenges to us to, re, to remember that in the days of national sloth, immaturity, or indolence, and calls for, we're still called to respond with an approach that submits to authority and giving us reasons to trust that God is still in control when leaders above us act foolishly. It gives us the strength to respond wisely, when a nation may go to the left or to the right to the bad to the deep wherever it goes trust and respond appropriately wisely wisdom affects all of life dear friends everything even our political involvement the call to pursue wisdom we see is a call that is called not only in the book of ecclesiastes it's called over and over again in the book of in, in the new testament in several books I just want to read to you a few verses from the new testament that calls for wisdom ephesians 5:15 through 16 look carefully then how you walk not as unwise but as wise making the best use of the time because the days are evil how true Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Friends, our own uh, vision statement or mission statement as a church comes from Colossians 1.18 that says, him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom, that we may present everyone mature in Christ. We pursue this wisdom as we teach one another when we desire to grow into the maturity of Christ. We are to pursue this wisdom in how we live missionally for God, seeking to engage those who are still far from God. Colossians 4, 5, and 6 says, Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious seasoned with salt, so that you may not know how you ought to answer each person. Jesus said in Matthew 10, behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Do you see this call to wisdom to the people of God? Oh, friends, We've learned from the book of Ecclesiastes this morning four challenges or four, four ways in which we should pursue this wisdom. Pursue wisdom even when it's not appreciated. Pursue wisdom diligently and exclusively. Pursue wisdom or pursuing wisdom begins with a heart. And pursuing wisdom affects our daily activities. May God and His Spirit, by His Word, through the revelation He has given us in Scripture, Lead us and enable us to live a life of wisdom in everything we do. Would you bow your heads with me?